Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our midweek Bible study called Morning Glory. I'm so happy that you're here, and I believe that today as you hear God's Word, it will provide the spiritual food that is essential to feed your spirit, your soul, and it will even bring strength to your body because it says in God's Word that His Word is medicine or health to all of your flesh. So the message that you're going to hear today from God's Word will bless your spirit, your soul, and your body. Praise God. Now today we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke chapter 21. We're going to talk about possessing your soul. Praise God. Let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we go into your Word, that once again, your Holy Spirit, that He would come and illuminate the Scriptures so that we can understand them in a very clear and practical way, and so that we can take your Word today and apply it to our lives. We thank you, Father, that we are possessing our souls by the empowerment of your Word and your Spirit. Now, we thank you. In Jesus' name, we agree and say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, let me just remind you that if you have any prayer requests, please send them to me as I have been praying through all of the prayer requests. Now, let me say whether you email me at contact at stephenbrooks.org or uh, perhaps you like to write a letter. Uh, either way, all emails are printed out. All prayer requests by email are printed out. I receive every single one. They're put on my desk daily. All prayer requests that come in through the postal service, through mail, through envelopes and letters and so forth, I receive all of those too. And I pray over every single one of them. So I want you to know that I see every prayer request that comes into this ministry. And I take them before the Lord, as I've done with all of those here. And I pray through them uh, one by one. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, if you do that, you're not going to have time to go out to the golf course and hobnob around. Well, I'll have plenty of time for golf when I get to heaven. And there's something wrong with golf. God is the uh, creator of golf. Praise God. But, you know, um, life is short. And I would rather uh, invest my time in these areas of spirituality, praise God. Now, I'm not saying that ministers that play golf aren't spiritual. I'm just saying that uh, there is so much to do in the ministry that if, um, if, if I don't stay on it, it starts to overtake me and our ministry team. So for me, uh, some of the fun things that others perhaps can do, um, very often I can't do it because... Um, you know, we're looking for the revival, we're looking for the glory, and I have to be honest, I like it that the ministry places a demand upon me where it in many ways forces me to my knees to pray. <laughs> and you, look, take any, any reason to pray, take it as a good thing, and you'll find out that once you get immersed into prayer, that really there's there's nothing better, praise God. Uh, and as much fun as shopping can be, as, as much fun as perhaps a golf course can be, as much fun as so many wonderful life experiences can be, 
really being in the Lord's presence and getting into that flow of prayer where you go into the heavenly throne room, there's nothing better, nothing better. Praise God. So thank you for your prayer request. If you send them to me, I will be certain to bring your request before the Lord. Now, there are some prayer requests that, while I can't do this for all of them, there are some that are of a nature that require my response. And um, again, because of all the prayer requests that do come in on a daily basis, I could never take the time really to maybe contact every person. I, I wouldn't simply have enough time. But there are some that when I see them, I sense that there needs to be communication. So you'll find out that sometimes I reach out to you in a personal way. That's usually in a case where perhaps, um, um, well, it, it, it's variable things that come together. Uh, for example, I received a email today from someone whose daughter is basically, uh, basically in agony and pain, type screaming type pain, and I sense that the father has faith. And there's going to be a miracle. So sometimes I do reach out and because I sense the Holy Spirit wants me to in that case. But regardless of whether or not I personally contact you, all I would ask is that you join your faith with mine, that the petition that you're making before God and that you've asked me to pray concerning, that we together can come together in faith and you'll find out that when there is a unity of faith, that God will move on your behalf. So whether your your email was sent to me from North Carolina, or maybe you're down south in Alabama, or maybe you're in South India, I want you to know I've seen it. I read it, and I don't just love, uh, you know, look at it and, and uh, throw it away. No, I take time to lay my hands on the prayer request that you have made because each one is printed out. And I pray for you, and I pray for that need. And perhaps, as often the case is, sometimes the, the prayer request is not for you. Maybe it is for a son, a daughter. Maybe it is for a loved one. Or it could be for you. You need a healing, or you need a financial blessing, or sometimes even a miracle. Praise God. Well, be assured that I'm joining my faith with you, and I believe that God can reach you, meet you right where you're at. I take a little bit of risk when I say that because sometimes people will think, well, Pastor Stephen, call me. <laughs> Get on the phone, call me, <laughs> or personally email me back. But it's very, very rare, and usually those are very desperate situations of people that are in, um, they're right on the edge, right? Sometimes even life uh, uh, risking type situations. So I can't, I just can't personally take the time to respond to all of them, but I am praying in faith with every person that emails me or writes me with a prayer request. And I'm believing with you that God's going to move in your life and answer that request above and beyond that, which we dare ask, imagine, or thank praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Prayer is good. Hallelujah. Look, we'll look for every reason to pray. <laughs> Let even difficult circumstances drive you to prayer. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. We're in Luke chapter 21, verse 10. Then he, that would be Jesus, said to them, Nation, 
will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And we see these types of things, different nations. I was just talking to a young man that is on his way to the Ukraine uh, to do some missionary work. And uh, by the way, in, in the Ukraine and in Russia, there has been a really good response to our Pure Gold television program. And uh, some of that was strategic, as my wife and I, we noticed that Rick Renner was on at a certain time on God TV, and there was a slot that opened. I can't remember. It was either right before him or right after him. And Rick Renner is based out of Moscow, Russia. And uh, excellent, uh, excellent teacher. Well, we took that slot because it sandwiched us into a really good place between a couple of really good ministers. And um, and so Rick Renner is very popular, of course, in Russia. So because we are bumped up right next to him, we have caught um, some of that Russian audience. Praise the Lord. And if you are watching me on the Internet and you are from Russia or you speak Russian, we actually have had one of our books, How to Operate in the Gifts of the Spirit. That book has been translated from English into Russian. And if you read Russian and you would like to have that book for free, you can actually get it as a free download. Please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. Go to the online store and then go to, I believe it's called, the link that is called Digital Downloads, and just scroll down. And you'll see some free books that we have. And one of those is in Russian. Uh, perhaps you're watching and you, you speak and read Mandarin Chinese. We have several books, too, right now, that are available as free digital downloads. The third Chinese book is in the home stretch right now as it's being translated as well. So my friends, make yourself uh, available to take those spiritual resources. And if even if you don't speak Mandarin or Russian, or you can't read it, let somebody else know if you know somebody that that could be a blessing to. Just let them know, hey, there's a free book that would really bless you spiritually over at the website. Praise God. But uh, back to my story, my friend going over to the Ukraine, and of course, Russia uh, is basically saying that we're going to basically absorb Ukraine because it really has belonged to Russia, they say, for years and years uh, in centuries past. But but then again, today, Ukraine is their own sovereign nation, so you're looking at the threat of war. It's a little bit of the, of the same type of scenario with China and Taiwan. And I've been to Taiwan multiple times, beautiful sovereign nation, it used to be called Formosa, which means the beautiful island or the beautiful land. And it really is very, very beautiful. But China is bullying Taiwan, uh, which is its own sovereign nation. And China is saying, hey, we, we have a right to take over uh, Taiwan because we have this uh, historical legacy going back for centuries that, you know, this island has always belonged to us. Therefore, we have a right to take it. <laughs> and so, you know, you see these looming threats. And uh, all of this stuff all around the world where stuff could just blow up uh, and get real bad real quick. We always have the, um, you know, the Middle East, all the strife and tension in the Middle East. And these things are going to continue. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And by the way, let me just say this about Taiwan. Um, and, uh, of course, I'm for 
Taiwan having their own national sovereignty. But it, but it is true that if you are a Chinese government official and you want to know the roots or the legacy of the Chinese people, well, some of the most um, remarkable artifacts and some of the most specialized things that date back uh, to the Chinese people's identity going back for thousands of years, many of those very special items are actually kept in Taiwan. So you have to go to the Taiwan if you want to learn the roots of your Chinese legacy. So, uh, but you know, uh, things change over the millennia. Things change over the centuries. And what was once this, maybe not, uh, is the same. Uh, it's, it's, it's different. You know, things all change. Boundary lines change, if nothing else, because so many boundary lines are set by the course of a river. But if the river changes course, well, that's going to affect things, and on and on it goes. But we know that until Jesus comes back, there's always going to be these underlying frictions, sometimes erupting, unfortunately, into wars. And we see that here. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places, and famines and pestilences. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Now, you have to remember also this thing about the signs from heaven. As we approach the last days of the end times in which we're living, we're already in the end times. We're just in the final innings of the game, so to speak. But um, the signs in the heavens is going to really become spectacular. And it was said that before the Roman army, led by Titus, the Roman general, came and surrounded Jerusalem and really locked down Jerusalem so that nobody could go in or out. And uh, uh, there were signs in the heavens. Josephus, the uh, Jewish historian, who you know ended up being with the Romans, Um, He was captured, so now he's with the Romans, but he's still Jewish, and he can understand the Jewish culture, and he's writing now as a Roman historian. He said the signs that that were in the heavens basically warning the Jews, get out of Jerusalem before this army locks you down, that it was just incredible. Or there were literally angels that could be heard blowing shofars, uh, above the city, there, there, there could even be heard with the audible ear proclamations of angelic voices saying, flee from this city before destruction takes place. But yet, you had so many uh, Jewish people that overrode all of that. But my friends, the, the signs will be there. And we're going to see signs in the heavens uh, as we approach the last days that will be um, not just cloud formations. Maybe you're struggling to try to make something out. No, there will be signs that will be unparalleled. Yes, and uh, I have seen remarkable uh, cloud formations. One of the most phenomenal ones that I ever saw was when my wife and I were leaving a certain city, very wicked city. Now, some good churches in the city uh, trying to reach the wicked ones in the city, but as far as the city itself goes, it is a very, very wicked city. And when my wife and I drove out of that city, uh, we saw a cloud formation. Now, 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 when you see something like this, also you're thinking, is anybody else seeing this? Because we saw it off of a major interstate with all kinds of traffic going up and down the interstate. But it seemed like uh, 
as far as I could tell, nobody else saw it. But we saw a cloud formation set back in the mountainous area. The cloud formation looked like it ran maybe 30 to 50 miles in in width. And the cloud formation turned like a dark black clouds, and there were literal thunderbolts. And I'm not having a vision. I'm, I'm seeing this uh, with my own physical eyes. This was not a vision. But I saw a cloud formation uh, formed with uh, black clouds and lightning bolts shooting all through the clouds. And in the center of it, a gigantic throne. Seated upon the throne was Almighty Jehovah God. And there were flashes of lightning coming out of the throne. And he was looking at that city. And... Uh, It wasn't a good look. It was a look of you are corrupting, you are polluting, you are defiling uh, uh, people. And this is a city that uh, where sex trafficking runs wild, where perversion is celebrated. And God was looking at that city. And so unless there's repentance, uh, it's not good. It's not going to be good when judgment is unleashed. Praise God. But I'll say this. There'll be plenty of warning signs. You'd have to be willingly belligerent and stubborn to override the road signs and the heavenly signs that will be blaring. Repent, repent. Time's running out real quick. Repent, repent. Look, no man knows the day or the hour when Christ will return or as we would say also according to what Paul wrote about first and second Thessalonians the catching up of the church nobody knows that exact moment uh, when that's going to happen but oh you, you're going to just know when it's when we're bearing down on it you'll you'll know because it will be unprecedented the miracles the signs and we're headed towards a grand finale you know, we just cleared Fourth uh, of July, which here in America is a celebration of America's birthday. But anytime you see fireworks, like a celebratory fireworks uh, show, you know the grand finale is always at the end. Uh, no matter how spectacular the show is, you're waiting for what when they just release everything at the end. And that's what God is going to do, and that's what we're winding up for and towards this next revival will be nonstop until the full gospel is preached all through the earth, and then the end is going to come. But you're going to see a spectacular fireworks, if I can use that, where the glory is going to be manifested. We're going to come into the fullness of the power gifts, uh, the special faith, the working of miracles, the gifts of healings in full power, full power. And so, trust me, you want to stick around for this. This is the grand finale, and this also follows principles that we see in God's Word that He saves the best for last. We saw that demonstrated in the first miracle that Jesus ever did, recorded in the Gospel of John, where He saved the best wine, did the miracle at the wedding uh, ceremony. The best wine was brought out at the end. And that was a miracle, turning water into wine. And so you're going to see God bring out the mighty power gifts and the signs and wonders and just all out move of the Spirit. Get ready, because the best is yet to come. There'll be a lot of shaking going on. As we know from Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1, gross darkness will increase. We know that. But the glory will arise upon you and I, upon the believers, upon the church, And the Lord Jesus will return for a glorious church, 
a glorious bride. That's you and I. Get ready for total transformation, <laughs> a total makeover. Hallelujah. Something that uh, uh, makeup and hairspray could never do. Something that a tan or Botox could never do. Praise God. And no, I don't use Botox. Praise God. I'm, I'm just going to be natural until I go home to be with the Lord and, or until Jesus takes me. I know plenty, uh, plenty of pastors that do take all of that shots and injections and uh, a lot of plastic work, praise God. But I personally, I have zero interest in that. My wife and I are the same way. We are who we are. And when you meet us in real life, uh, you don't see a totally different person. And I've seen uh, some ministers where you see them on camera, they are so powdered up and they are so cosmetically enhanced that uh, when they're not uh, on set, you would hardly recognize them. And you know, that that's okay. If they want to do that, that's fine. That's their life. That's fine. But I just like being who I am. I like uh, being myself. Praise God. Not, I'm not into all of that. Praise the Lord. Now let's continue on. Verse 12. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogue and prisons. Now, while we have seen certain pastors here in America arrested, and some also in Canada arrested, we still do have to, you know, to a certain degree, and I'm praying that this will hold up and that there's going to be a reversal of the insanity that we're seeing with the uh, communistic, atheistic uh, ideologies that are being expressed now in America and also in Canada, our neighbor up north. But we we still do have certain protections where unlike some other countries where they can just make you disappear and kill you or lock you up in, you know, some kind of a mass uh, prison death camp. Uh, I won't say what country that I'm thinking about that, that does that right now. Um, but we still have some rights where you just can't uh, do that in America uh, unless, you know, you're really pushing your liberties in a sense where, yeah, you give them something to hang their hat on, and they're going to try to uh, lock you up for some reason. Now, that has happened to some good ministers, but we still do have some protections left here in the West where it's not like they can just lay their hands on you and go out and beat you up or at least not do it publicly. You know, there's a lot of junk that goes on behind the scenes once they do uh, kind of do it in a civil way. And then that back behind the scenes, they can kind of rough you up and stuff like that. But even still, you can have lawyers and you can have proofs that they realize they've got to be careful about what they do with you, especially the more you broadcast and talk about it, then the more exposure that you bring to it. So some of that persecution that they went through back then and also would still take place in certain countries today, uh, here in the Western world, we still have some rights and protections. And to the best of our ability, should we have to, we will certainly use that. And remember the time that the Apostle Paul, who had already been beaten and whipped over and over so many times, and it looked like it's about to happen again, he said, well, before you do that, uh, you should know that I'm a Roman citizen. And when he said that, they stopped. Why? They're about to take him for another beating. But when they heard that, they backed off. Why? That means he has certain rights and privileges He's a Roman, so be very, very careful how you treat him. Matter of fact, they had already arrested him, 
And they'd already done things that against a Roman, you're not allowed to do. So they knew they were hot water. So now they tried to backpedal and so forth to smooth out the situation. So sure, use the rights and privileges that you have, the civil rights and privileges that you had, because they were paid for uh, at a great price. And our founding fathers really... I mean, they laid it all on the line. The founding fathers of America, uh, I know there's been a lot of corruption of uh, the truth of the character and for many, the godliness that so many of them had. But it was true. If they did not uh, hang together, they all knew they were going to hang separately because the king of England was after them. It was after their heads and they risked their lives to give birth and many of their blood to give birth to a country that's not perfect, but we're thank God at least we can have freedom of religion, freedom of speech, where I can come on here and preach the gospel and not be concerned that somebody is going to kick the door of the studio down and come in here with machine guns and haul me off and you never hear from me again. Now that is a real reality in some countries, but we thank God that we do have certain privileges still here in America. Now they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. Most of the persecution still that we face here in the West is fierce verbal persecution, uh, being ostracized and things like that. But it's not like, it's not like they're, uh, you know, rounding us all up and beating us up with baseball bats. So it's still primarily these outward forms of uh, uh, being, being expressed through verbal persecution. Praise God. Which, which for those that have ever felt that heat, um, it's tough. Absolutely. Uh, everybody wants to fit in. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody has a human tendency to want to be accepted. So when you are maligned and when you are ostracized and lied about and so forth or presented as some kind of a, you know, weirdo or something like that, uh, nobody wants that. There certainly is, uh, persecution involved in that that's not enjoyable now you will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake verse 13 but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony that my friends is very very important i want you to always look for an opportunity of course not just amongst christians because then you're really just preaching to the choir But as you're out and about in your daily life, look for those opportunities to share your testimony. That's something that we can all do. You may not be able to eloquently present like a sermonette that would explain the the gospel, you know, uh, and what actually Jesus accomplished at Calvary. But you know what? All you need to do is show your testimony. That's what we can all do. Your testimony is what God did for you, how he saved you, and what he means to you. And look for opportunities to share that uh, in the various places that you're at, uh, such as the grocery store. Maybe there's nobody in line. You're at the checkout counter, and it just that conversation, there's a, a good connection with the person you're talking to, and just work it in work it in, and God will honor that. God will bless that. God will bless you. Praise the Lord. And who knows? Maybe the person will want to receive Christ. But at the least, you're sowing seed, and also you're sharing 
one of the most powerful tools, if not the most powerful tool you have as a Christian, which is your personal testimony, how God saved you from sin, how God purchased you, how Jesus purchased you with his shed blood, and now how you have peace and joy and you have the assurance of eternal life. That is something that we can all do. Look for that occasion for testimony. You know, we do see in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 11, and they overcame him. In other words, they overcame the accuser of the brethren, which is Satan. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. So your testimony is very, very powerful. And look for opportunities just to bring it up. And let me say this, that the more that you share it, um, even when you know, okay, I'm, I'm swimming upstream to bring this into the conversation, just do it because you'll actually get more comfortable with it. You'll build up your faith in this area that I wouldn't call like, you know, like direct evangelism in a sense, but it's just, you love people and you want to know, Hey, is your life right with God? And you just bring it in. And if you do it with, with love, and you shared your testimony. I tell you what, it really, really uh, makes people think. And it's, it is often that within a few days, a person is ready to get their heart right with God. And they'll, they'll certainly think about what you shared with them. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's go back to uh, Luke 21. Luke chapter 21. Therefore, Settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And so that's why you don't want to love your life even to death. Just be willing to stick with the Lord all out. Now, the first century Christians, really, you, you had to be uh, all in because the persecution uh, was, going, was very soon after Jesus. You know, he's raised from the dead, and then he ascends into heaven, and then uh, things really start going well for the church, but then the persecution hits, and the persecution becomes so fierce in Jerusalem, that many of the disciples, many of the Christians, they have to flee to other areas, literally, uh, to save their lives. So they move into other areas, they preach the gospel there. But for, for the first 300 years of the church, the persecution was intense. And, uh, you know, uh, particularly in certain areas like Rome, where you had, uh, and, and you, know, you have to also remember that Rome had a huge area that it governed, that it had that it conquered. And so you, you didn't have to live in Italy to be under that Roman control or that Roman rule. And uh, it was a very paganistic, uh, very idolatrous type government and very cruel, very vicious. And so you had very bad emperors that would pass uh, just perverted legislation, sometimes legislation that said if you did not worship the emperor, then 
you're going to be killed. And so, my friends, you have to really be committed to the Lord. Praise God. Again, we thank God that we have a nation that gives the freedom of religion. Praise the Lord. And I believe, I believe that as desperate as things look, I believe there's going to be a great move of God's Spirit, and the wind of the Spirit will come, and it's going to push back much of this fog that has descended over the nation and has caused the nation to go into uh, really what the enemy would like to take it into is really, if we're honest about it, is really Satanism, where the enemy doesn't just want atheistic beliefs. The enemy wants to take it into these areas of grotesque uh, abominations. But God is going to move. The best is yet to come. God will preserve the church. God will preserve you. And God is going to do some things in the nation that will stabilize the nation so that his purposes will be carried out. But I think it's also important to know that this move of the Spirit that's coming is global. So I want you to have a higher perspective and not just be looking at the nation, because there's other countries that are in a lot more desperate situations than what we're in right now. There's other countries like Nigeria where... Uh, You know, the church is under a lot of pressure, as strong as the church is in Nigeria. They're under a lot of pressure, and they're not getting a lot of relief, hardly any relief from the government. So, uh, you know, that that Muslim spirit tries to um, take over, in a sense. But the church continues to pray, and as long as we continue to pray, here also the gates of hell will not prevail. Praise God. Mm -mm. Beware of what I would call a false gospel here in in the Western church, which is becoming like a, uh, I would call it a spirit of conservatism. Yes, while we want conservatism because we don't want to end up like uh, some of these other countries that basically end up bankrupt when they go into socialism. And uh, socialism always leads to one thing. Eventually, uh, you run out of money. And when you're taking money from somebody else and you're distributing it, eventually those that you're taking it from, whether it's the rich or the middle class, you destroy all of that. And then you're left where everybody's poor except just a few ruling elite. And eventually that collapses also. And the whole thing's a big mess. And so while you have a lot of people that are not even saved, they're not born again, they still have enough sense to know that, hey, socialism, Marxism, all of these isms, these things lead to a collapse in uh, in a doing away, a destruction of prosperity and being able to have your own business, being able to do well in life. That's all over when things go in those directions. So they have enough sense to say we need to have conservative principles because if we want prosperity, we have to continue on this certain path. And so they also become conservative. But just because you're conservative and just because you can understand certain biblical values doesn't mean you're born again. So you need to be saved, whether you're Republican or whether you're Democrat or whatever you are. Everybody needs Christ, and he's the only solution. Praise the Lord. Not being a good person, because technically there is no good person. All of our righteousness is as filthy rags and um, 
I'm not going to go into what that is actually representing with the filthy rags, but I would say this, that we have no inherent righteousness. So that's why we need a Savior. That's why Christ died, not so that you can be a good person, so that you can be born again and saved from all of the wretchedness that is in the heart of sinful man. Mm -mm. Jesus didn't just die to redeem axe murderers. He He died on the cross to redeem all humanity because all humanity has a sin problem. Sin separates man from God. And without the remedy for sin, which is faith in Christ, you are on your way to a burning hell. I'm not here to try to scare you. I'm just trying to tell you that that is the truth, that Jesus died to save sinners. And we're all sinners outside of Christ. Once you come into Christ, you're no longer classified as a sinner. You're now classified as a saint, a blood-washed child of God. Praise the Lord. So don't just be conservative. Become born again. <laughs> Glory to God. And then you're really conservative. Then you don't want, then you don't want to kill babies then you don't want to go into all of these isms that are all teachings that were propagated by men who hated God, who were atheists. Mm, mm, mm. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. You want a good society. You want a stable nation. You want a stable government. You want good government. You want a stable economy because you want to do well. Praise God. So I'm praying. I'm praying for our national leaders. I'm, I'm praying that the Lord's hand would stay upon this nation and that we can, we can go forward. We can go forward that God would hold this nation together and that he would have mercy and that this revival will come in. And I believe it will. I believe it's going to praise the Lord. And that's what we're getting ready for. Praise the Lord. Now let's continue on. Verse 17, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake but not a hair of your head shall be lost. Well, Pastor Stephen, that sounds like pretty scary times. Well, just believe verse 18 then. Hold to that. But not a hair of your head shall be lost. The Lord can protect you. The Lord can keep you regardless of all the shakings that are going on out there. And he will. He's going to. Now, verse 19 is what I have been working uh, towards. By your patience, possess your souls by your patience. Patience is very, very important. Uh, this is not something that we can work out overnight, although we're going to keep working on it every day and every night. But there is a place where you become rock solid, where you do become secure in the Lord, where you do become stabilized. And I would call you move. I would call it moving into that place as being a mature believer. Okay. By your patience, possess your souls. So even with all of the nations rising up against each other, even with the various persecution that is going on, even with all the difficulties that would be in the earth, you can continue in the ways of God, standing on the word of God, learning the word of God, learning the principles of God, operating them in them, and it will stabilize your life and you'll be on a rock even when all of this uncertainty is swaying back and forth. Sometimes in Scripture, you see certain types of prophetic imagery. 
And oftentimes, biblical imagery of the sea, or what maybe we could use the word oceans, or the sea, S-E-A, the sea is used to represent peoples, kind of like big waves raging, and uh, you know, ungodly people raging, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to lock up all the Christians, and all this and that, and on and on it goes. You know what? It says that God sits in the heavens, and he sees all of that, and he laughs. And of course, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, we see that we have been raised up and seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. And you know what? From that perspective, you can sit there with God and laugh at it also, because the enemy, you know, it's not going to happen the way he wants it to happen. It's going to work out according to God's plan. And God's plan is that we win because Christ has already won it for us. By your patience, possess your souls. So stick with biblical principles. Stay prayed up, and you're going to walk right through any dangerous situation, and your soul will become possessed. Praise God. And you can always, always, even in the midst of war, there have been saints that walked into this place of deep peace and joy in their souls, even in the middle of a war with bombs going off and bullets flying. You stay in that place of protection. Well, Pastor Stephen, what happens though if I get killed and die? Well, you go to be instantly with Jesus in heaven. So it's nothing but victory, 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 praise God. But I'm here also today to tell you that you're going to live your life out fully according to the fullness of what God has called you to do, and you will live your life out to the full age that God has assigned for you. Not a hair of your head shall be lost. By your patience, possess your souls. Now, the soul also in Scripture can have a different, I would say, focus depending upon the context of what is being uh, implied. For example, the soul can be used to represent the totality of, of yourself. And we see that, for example, where Peter said that in the days of Noah, eight souls were saved. They went into the ark, and so those souls were saved. So you see, in that context, the soul was in reference to a person's life. Their whole life was saved. Their soul was saved by going into the ark. Now, we also know that the ark it, uh, had symbolism was a type of Christ, that when you go into Christ, you're safe from all the raging waters, praise God. Amen. But at the same time, there is a different application of the soul. There, They can actually... The spirit and soul can actually be divided. And we see that by the writer of Hebrews, the Apostle Paul, that the word of God, the rhema word of God, in other words, the living word of God is like a sword that is so sharp, it can actually discern and divide between what is spirit and what is soul. So the fact that spirit and soul can be divided tell us that they're actually different, and that is true.
So the soul sometimes can be used to represent a person's entire life, but other times it's used to represent a certain compartment of the life of the human. Okay, so you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. By the way, it is impossible for a spirit, a soul, to ever cease to exist. There are some that wrongly and falsely teach. By the way, those that teach this heresy, you'll find out that the Apostle Paul said that heresy is actually a work of the flesh. So when you usually see this wrong teaching, this heretical teaching, don't be surprised when you find out there's works of the flesh going on within that false teacher's life. Here's what I'm trying to say that heresy would be. There are those that say that for the sinners that go into hell and then they're cast into the lake of fire, that eventually out of the mercy of God, their lives are extinguished and their suffering, their pain is no more. No, that's a lie. You cannot extinguish a spirit being, and you are a spirit being. So your spirit is either going to go to be with God in heaven or for the spirit, for the individual, the man or woman that rejects Christ. If they reject Christ, they're going into hell. And then eventually, upon the final judgment, they are then cast into the lake that burns forever and ever with fire and brimstone. That's also where Satan is going to go. That's where the Antichrist, the false prophet, will be thrown into. That's where all the sinners, all the unbelievers are going. And it's not like they're going to be there for maybe 10 years. And God says, you know what? That's enough. We're going to just extinguish their lives now because I don't want them to suffer anymore. No, you cannot ever extinguish the life of the, of, of the spirit and soul. They are eternal. They are eternal. Scripture says that. If somebody teaches otherwise, they're in the flesh, not only in their teaching, but if you were to look carefully, you're going to see a bunch of other yucky stuff they're also perpetuating also. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. By your patience, possess your souls. Okay, so you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. What is your soul? In Scripture, we see that the soul of man, it's the same for a woman, same for the ch- a child, of course, that we're referring, in essence, to mankind. But I'm using man as the example. The soul of a man comprises your mind, not, your, not necessarily your brain, because the brain is the organic material. Okay, that's what's inside, of course, your skull. But your mind is associated with your brain. Okay, so we're talking about your soul comprises your mind, your will, and your emotions. And your will, wow, it's just such a gift from God because you can, you can will to choose whatever you like. Pastor Stephen, I don't understand why God put that tree, the knowledge of good and evil, in the garden. I don't know why he did that. Uh, he had to. He had to. And he told them, don't eat of it. He, he had to give them an option. God didn't make you and I like, uh, like robots, 
pre-programmed with artificial intelligence, but we really have no choice to choose. No, God made us in his image. He made us in his... See, the animals are not made in the image of God. Yes, animals can be sweet, and I love animals. I'm sure you do too, but they're not created in the image of God. And if you believe evolution, you've been sold a really... Um, It's not just a lie. It's really a stupid lie. It's a lie that is designed to degrade humanity. And the devil loves it because the devil is so jealous of man. Why? Because we're made in the image of God. He's not. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And I love angels. And you have guardian angels. I have guardian angels. And uh, you, you could also get more than just guardian angels. You can have other types of angels that are also assigned to you. But even the angels are not created in the image of God. But man is. And it's the ultimate degradation of man to look at man and say, he came from an amoeba that cr- crawled out of a swamp. Or he came from a monkey. That's just utter stupidity on purpose trying to um, dehumanize the humanity and the splendor of man. Mm-mm-mm. Praise the Lord. So my friends, you have a soul that is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Woo! Praise the Lord. I, I, well, I'm kind of thinking of a funny, funny event that took place in my life. I might as well just pause for a moment and tell you about it. When I was a young boy, Oh, I was maybe eight years old. I had gone to the public school, of course, and um, I, you know, of course, back then in the, you know, in the seventies, uh, it's not like the schools are today. You, you actually had Christian teachers, and uh, school would be open with prayer, and uh, you know, it was wonderful in some ways. But still, it was still there's still secular schools, state funded, and so forth, and so. Well, somewhere along the line, there I guess there was a teacher or somebody that told us in class that we all came from a bunch of monkeys. Well, I went home, and uh, uh, and because my parents were working, when I, me and my brothers went home at that age, we'd go stay with our grandmother until our parents came home. So I went home and uh, went to, our, well, technically went to my grandmother's, and uh, went to my grandmother's house, and uh, I was, I guess, kind of excited and worked up about what the uh, evolutionist uh, science teacher had taught. And so I went home and stood up on the couch of my grandmother's couch as a little eight-year-old boy. And I shouted, man came from monkey. And my grandmother heard me say that she, she came out and said, what did you just say? I said, man came from monkey. She said, who in the world taught you that lie? I said, well, grandmother, I said, it's true. I said, uh, we've been taught this and, uh, it's taught in books. And she said, you've been taught a lie. She said, God created man. You didn't come from no monkey. And I said it one more time. I was really defiant. Man came from monkey. She said, if you say it one more time, I'm pulling you down off that couch and I'm taking you into the bathroom and I'm sticking a bar of soap in your mouth and we're washing your mouth out with soap and water. And I said, man came from monkey. (laughs) And the next thing I knew, I was in the bathroom with a bar of soap in my mouth, on my tongue. She's cleaning my tongue. And she said, don't you ever say such a horrible thing ever again in my house. And then, of course, 
<laughs> my dad came home. You know, she told my father what I had said, but she said, don't give him a spanking. She, he's already been, uh, he's already had his mouth washed out. And I never said it again. Praise the Lord. Amen. But thank God for godly grandparents, a godly grandmother that had enough sense to understand Psalm 14, where it says in the Bible, the fool said in his heart, there is no God. Well, Pastor Stephen, I, do, I don't believe in God. Well, God, God calls you a fool. And I'm not saying that. God said that. Now, I, I agree with God because there is enough evidence to suggest, to prove, to verify that God exists. And really, if you boil it all down, and you kind of get an atheist one-on-one -on -one when there's no camera running, no tape recorder running, and you you, uh, you ask them, hey, come on, there's enough evidence everywhere. You know, there's divine design. I mean, we're, we're, we're ignoring the elephant in the room here. Um, why don't you personally tell me, because I already know, why don't you just go ahead and personally tell me why you won't accept or believe in the reality of God? And the truth is this. The truth is because if they admit that God exists and that the Bible is the written word of God, then it means they are morally responsible. So they don't want a God because they don't want to be told that the things that they want to do, and even if they don't do, but yet they would agree with, they don't want to be told that now they're morally accountable for what they have done or what they think or so often what they practice. Even as one atheist just came out and said, I don't believe in God because if I do, that means that all these things that I've been doing are wrong. And then I'm responsible for all of my wrongdoing. <laughs> At least you had enough guts to admit it. Praise God. All right. By your patience, possess your mind. By your patience, possess your mind, your emotions. Let the word of God ground you. Let the word of God stabilize you so that nothing moves you, as all of these things that we have read about, even earthquakes, don't let anything move you. My wife and I were at the church one day. This was maybe a little over 10 years ago. And would you believe it? There is an earthquake right here in North Carolina, right here in Moravian Falls. And it, it, it shook, I mean, it shook this place powerfully. Now, I think the epicenter was actually in Washington, D.C. But we've all felt it all up and down the Atlantic seaboard area, even inland, as far as we are here, five hours from the beach here. But it shook the church sanctuary. One of my workers was up on the ladder, and he said, Pastor Stephen, is that what I think it is? I said, yep, that's an earthquake. Now, I lived in Southern California for 10 years. Uh, they were, it wasn't a, anything strange or unusual to me. Uh, Pastor Kelly, she's been in many earthquakes. She was born and raised in Southern California, so it wasn't anything to her. But still, it was a violent shaking. But you know what? Um, there were some people close by. We, we had stepped out of the church because of the shaking that was going on. And it so threw some people that... How can I say we're very religious? You can be really religious, but that doesn't mean you really know God. That doesn't mean you have peace in your soul. That doesn't mean you've possessed your soul. And we saw people come literally unglued with fear and terror. There was one lady that went into an extreme panic, and Pastor Kelly had to grab her and say, It's okay. 
calm down. And she said, what are we supposed to do? And Kelly said, nothing. There's nothing you can do. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to go. You just, it's over with. Now there's going to probably be some mild aftershocks, but this is not like, you know, there's a, a hurricane bearing down on us. She said, just relax. Now go calm everybody down. And this, my wife talked to her just for about 30 seconds. That person who was a leader went and calmed down many, many people that were under her directive because none of them knew what to do. They had never had a, uh, the experience of having the ground. You know, it's a weird feeling when the ground underneath you starts moving. I've been in Southern California before where it's not only shaking. You could see it like, I mean, it looks like an ocean. <laughs> and you're hearing snap, crackle, pop as things are breaking. And uh, I'm sure that's nothing like what they experience in Japan or along the um, that, that Pacific Rim area. But my friends, let let your soul, your mind, your even your emotions be established by your patience. Well, you're rock solid. I'm just I'm saying you're just absolutely rock solid. Praise God. By the way, this I would call it soul prosperity. When you fully possess your soul, and you're just full of God, you just love God. Sure, you enjoy life. You enjoy all that life has to offer. But really, you're just, you're just totally like in love with the Lord. You're, you're, just, you're, you're on it with your prayer time. You, you can't live without the Word. don't want to. You don't want to find out what it's like to ever you know drift from this rock-solid place. I tell you what, when you, do, when you do that, your soul will prosper. You'll have joy when others are engulfed with fear. You'll have peace when others are troubled. And they'll see the glory on you. Praise God. Third John, which is the third epistle. Third John, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. So we have prosperity and health both in the same verse, just as your soul prospers. It's very important that you possess your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. Possess yourself. And when you do, when your soul is prospering in God, then you'll find that these other areas of financial prosperity, prosperity in your body with health, All of those things come right along as the icing on the cake. Praise God. You know, you could be a person who has a lot of money, maybe even a billionaire. But if you're not in Christ and your soul is not prospering in God, you are an impoverished person. And money, while money can bring joy in certain areas, it cannot, though, bring that deep happiness, which only God can satisfy and fulfill and bring. And God created us and he designed us to have a vacancy within our hearts that only he can fill. Praise the Lord. And friends, marriage, family, all these things are wonderful. Prosperity, all those things are nice, but only God can cause your soul to prosper. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, one more verse. Here's a good way to possess 
your soul. Mm-mm. Jude, verse 20. But you, that would be you and I, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You know, just stay with the Lord until you're filled up. You know, I don't like just putting a little bit of gas in my vehicle. I like filling it all the way up. My vehicle has an extended tank, and I was very happy that I got that model that had the extended tank. Why? Well, I just like to be really full, and I don't even like for it to go below halfway. And so I just like to have extra endurance, extra range, praise the Lord. And so you could have your soul filled up. Just begin to pray. Pray in English. Pray in the Spirit. And praying in the Spirit is synonymous with praying in other tongues. You could just begin to pray in the Spirit. There's some things you want to pray in your native language, such as English. Then do that. But then, if you've prayed in English and you're still not full, then just pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, we don't do that in our denomination. We don't do that in our church. Well, with all of the stuff going on out there, earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars and persecution and the pressure being applied, I would highly suggest that you receive all that Jesus has made available for you. Woo! Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Take it. Hallelujah. Let Jesus baptize you in the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues and just look, just enjoy the Lord. Just enjoy the Lord. So often in prayer, when it's really cooking, the longer you stay, the sweeter it gets. Why would you leave before you're full? I mean, that's like you're having a really good meal. And while the meal is just at its best, you just walk off and leave. No, no, enjoy until you're full. Woo, praise God. Hallelujah. And the thing about the Lord, of course, is like, it's not like you can't overeat. I mean, just go ahead and consume all of God that you want. <laughs> because uh, with, with your human body, you, you get so full and you don't want to stuff yourself. Now you're you kind of lethargic and bloated. But spiritually, you could just pour, pour in, pour, pour in, and pour in. And what will happen is it will create an overflow where you just start getting around others and that glory. You're, you're in the overflow. And you always, please remember this, you always want to minister from a position of being in the overflow. You want to minister in the overflow, Woo! where you are filled up and now you're in the overflow. Hallelujah. Got enough for others. Got enough for others. Glory to God. So you have to possess your soul. If you possess your soul, you will be stable. And others will see that. They'll be curious. They'll be curious. Praise the Lord. Because I've seen real suave, sophisticated, cool as a cucumber type people come undone completely in situations that go beyond mental capacity or ability to deal with. There are some things that your brain that you can't it can't get you over certain things. There are areas of difficulty. There are areas of things where you need to be with God. You need to walk with God. You need to possess your soul. Praise the Lord. 
Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for those that are watching today that they take full possession of their soul, what their soul watches, what their soul looks at, what their soul is fed with, and they become so stabilized in you. I thank you, Father, so anchored in you. Thank you, Father, that your strength literally be displayed through them. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. Hallelujah. That we're living in days that are not so different from what the early disciples lived in. Perilous times, but yet at the same time, great glory. Great glory and the great moving of your spirit. So, Father, we thank you that we can't be slack in these types of uh, times in which we live. Let us be filled up. Let us take full possession of our souls. Let us be completely filled with you. Now, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the glory. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, bless your people to take full possession of their souls. May they can be completely given over to you, your ways, your principles, your teachings, your instructions, your commandments. In Jesus' name. Let me say one more thing. My friends, don't play around with sin. Don't think that as a Christian, you can just continue to perpetually practice some form of sin and you're just tolerating that and you're treating it softly, almost like it's a pet, petting it, thinking, well, God understands. Yes, he understands that you're sowing. And eventually, if you don't stop that, there's going to be a reaping. You need to be very, very serious in dealing with sin. I'm not saying that you're ever going to be some kind of perfect person, although you can become a perfect mature believer. But I'm saying if you're practicing sin, please, for the mercy of God, please stop it. Deal with it. Confess it. Lay it down. And serve God with all of your heart. And God will put a protection around you. Well, those things cannot get through to you anymore. You'll be free. But you have to be willing to make a clean break. Praise God. Glory to God. Now, perhaps you're watching today's program, and you have never given your heart to God. Well, my friends, it's a very dangerous world. And I'm not saying receive Christ because you're trying to escape hell. But I'll tell you this, hell is real. I have been taken there in the spirit before. We have enough scripture to see it, to know that it's real. God's word is true. But I've seen it with my own eyes. The terror and fear and the horrors are beyond anything I could ever try to describe to you. You do not want to go there. And it's where everybody goes that rejects Christ and does not receive him. There is no other way to God except through Christ. He's the only way. He is the only mediator between God and man. Praise the Lord. Call upon him right now. He'll save you. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but you died to save sinners like me. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and rose again on the third day. Jesus, you paid the penalty for my sins. Therefore, I ask that you be my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. I give my life to you. 
save me right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you. I know it's there. Jesus, in your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Welcome to the family of God. And let me assure you that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ, the eternal Savior, Lord, God, and King. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, we're going to take Holy Communion together. Please grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. And let's pray. Now, this is an opportunity for for some of you that are Christians, but you're trying to sit on the fence. You know what I mean by that? You want to serve God on one side, but there's the other side of the fence where you're kind of enjoying something that you shouldn't be doing. And your soul is never going to prosper. Your soul is actually, there's a part of your soul that's actually in agony when you live like that. It's literally a miserable state to live in as a Christian. Not only that, if you don't stop it, eventually there's going to be the reaping of something that you don't want to encounter. But I believe that if you will shut it off right now, there can be the mercy of God and you'll never see that bad harvest. And God will give you blessing instead as you walk with him and live for him. But you can't be playing around in these days in which we live. You must live for the Lord. And this is the seal of those that belong to him. All of those that belong to him depart from iniquity. What is iniquity? It is the willful practice of sin. It is the willful practicing of doing something that you know is not right. So depart from every form of iniquity. That is the true seal of those who belong to the Lord. Now there's grace. Come running. Come running into the arms of Jesus right now. His blood is ready to forgive you of all sins. Now, Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice we consecrated as being holy. These are not some form of elements. This is now the body and the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father, your Son. And Father, as we receive the flesh of Christ, we thank you, O God, that we are busy possessing our souls. We possess our souls so that we are people of peace and joy and more than anything else, people who walk in agape love where we actually even love our enemies. We bless and pray for those that would persecute us. Now, Father, we give you praise for the body of Christ as we receive it. We thank you that you are helping us and strengthening us to possess our souls through patience. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive. Through your testimony, you're going to bring the Christ some real trophies. It's not like you're even like, in a sense, trying to be evangelistic. But just because you love people and you want to make sure they have had an opportunity to hear, you'll press through that initial, you know, what will they think about me if I bring this up? And you'll just go for it and just ask them about, do they know God? Do you know anything about Jesus? And then just tell them what he's done for you. When you do that, you're going to be quite surprised to see that you're going to, you might not see all of the results. I'm sure you won't in this lifetime, but there's going to be some trophies 
that will be one for the Lord through the sharing of your testimony. Some you may know about, others you may not. But watch what God will do to even reach those that would seem unreachable, that the world would say they're gone, they're worthless, they're the scum, they're, they're, the, the, they're just forget about them. Watch what will happen when through love and your testimony, God will reach the unreachable and save what would appear to be unsavable. He's going to work through you. Be ready. Be ready. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We ask that if we have committed any sin, that you would wash all of our sins away. Thank you, O God. I pray for those, Father, anybody that's been dabbling in some practicing of things that they know that are wrong, that there be the clean break right now, the release of your grace to come into your arms, into the safe place. I speak over your life that thing that has held you will never hold you again. It breaks now as you receive the blood of Jesus. And Father, we also forgive anybody and anyone who has sinned against us. We forgive them, we bless them, and we go on with a heart of forgiveness. Father, we give you praise. We thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. In the Lord's name we pray, amen. Let's receive the blood of Christ. Praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, yes. I was told by many when I got baptized in the Spirit, spoke in tongues, started believing in miracles, started praying for people. I was told by many, Stephen, you've lost your mind. Praise God. Hallelujah is all I could say. Praise God. I now have the mind of Christ. And many of those who used to think I was such a crazy nut job, they can't help but see that, you know, Stephen's got something going on with God. We used to think he was a fruitcake. But you know what? He's still preaching the same thing, and he hasn't backed down at all. Matter of fact, he's still just as wild and as crazy as ever. <laughs> yep, I sure am. Look, you've, you've got to be willing to let yourself be a fool for Christ. Get past all this stuff, what people think. Who cares? Just go for it. Go for it. Share the gospel. Love on people. And let Jesus be magnified and glorified through your life. Um, just go for it with your prayers. Just go for it. Well, Pastor Stephen, there's people watching. Good, good. They probably need to hear. Just do, do it even louder on purpose. <laughs> and you'll find out that when you're bold like that, you get really, really good results. And that anointing of the Spirit, even that ministry of reconciliation, which is reconciling those that are lost back to God, will be with you as you share your testimony. Praise God. My friends, continue to possess your soul through patience. And I'll see you back next time. Stay blessed. Bye-bye.